Well, good morning. Welcome to the Christian Church of Estes Park. We're disciples of Jesus that build disciples of Jesus. My name is Aaron Lee, pastor, and I'm glad that you guys are here today. We are completing a series today that we started seven weeks ago at Easter. But before we do, I do have one announcement that I do want to talk about that I wanted to share, not Happy Cassie's, because it's our annual week, our annual uh, church picnic, which will be next Sunday at uh, Stanley Park, which also happens to coincide with Father's Day. So that way, your dads, you could join us. So we're going to have uh, a lot of fun, uh, bring families and uh, get to know everyone. We have a couple services, so you get to meet folks maybe who haven't seen that are part of the church. And uh, so we'll just join us right after the second service. We'll go down there. It is a potluck, so we'd ask you to bring uh, something tasty, picnicky to share and uh it's a luck so we'll just see what shows up and it'll be good and so that'll be next uh sunday good stuff um happening there all right let's get to today's uh final message and our say yes series we started this uh wow uh easter which was seven weeks ago can you believe that that's pretty crazy. And the whole idea is we want to be able to say yes to what God has for us. We started with like, to say yes to the life that God has called us to. That's really what we began with on Easter, if you remember all the way back, that the, the, the new life that we have in Christ actually begins with life, right? To say yes to life, it means to live, right? And so that's being born again, we have eternal life in Jesus, that we don't have to, to continue to, to live in dead ways, that, that God has given us an eternal life, an amazing thing. But to say yes to this new life isn't just saying yes to living, right? And so the, the six weeks following Easter are about how do we say yes to living this new life, that we have a new way to live. That's the whole point. We have to be born again, a whole different kind of life that God has called us to, a life of purpose, a life of power. Right? And so we started and we, we talked about uh, saying yes to this new life that God walks or t- calls us to is a life of worship. And uh, what is worship? Well, worship, as we've talked about, you've heard this several times already, hopefully, that worship is whatever our life revolves around. That's what we worship. So whatever it is in your life that, that, that makes the difference, that really changes how you live, how do you, what you do, right? That's what you're worshiping. And Jesus calls us, invites us to put God at center. In fact, Jesus said that, that God is spirit, so his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. Right? We have to worship God who he is and how he is, but it's got to be real. Right? That we have to actually, our faith can't, has to be more than just a profession. It has to be a way of living a whole different kind of life that, that, actually, that our faith actually changes how we live. Not saved by that, of course, but we certainly are saved for it. It's an invitation to a better way. You'll find out that, when, that everything else in the universe doesn't have enough gravity to hold our lives together. You ever notice that? Whatever else we worship, whatever you put on there, maybe it's family, or it's a job, or it's a career, or it's comfort, or whatever it is. It, it, whatever it is in life, if it's not God, whatever, it doesn't have the gravity that holds our life together. And so whenever something wrong is on that center point in my life, it, our lives spin off into chaos. And Jesus has come and invited us to have a different way, invites us back to put Christ at center, to God at center. And he makes sense of our life. And it holds us together in a beautiful, amazing way. And that's really what this whole year has been about. Uh, back in uh, uh, February, we began, like God told us that we can worship him practically in scripture he gives us three very practical expressions of worship 
that God invites us to, and that's with our time and with our talent and with our treasure. And so in February, we began by talking about the easiest of those three, worshiping God with our treasure, right? And so uh, we went through that series, and, and you can find it on our website. Uh, it was uh, finding that, that financial uh, freedom that we find when we put God at center. We had over like 50 families that join us in our, our, the tithe challenge, the four-month tithe challenge that we've done, and it's been amazing to hear the difference that God has, what he's done and worked in folks' lives. Some of them going through uh, uh, some difficult things and proving that he's there. Others, how God has blessed. It's just been amazing. And of course, I encourage all of us to worship God with our treasure, but not stop, stop there. And that's why we did this series, is how do we worship God with our talents? Which I think is a little bit harder, because most of us... Um, at least for me, I always thought about the ministry was for professionals, right? That's why you, you talked about that was a minister. But then we hear crazy things like pastors will sometimes say uh, that all of God's people are ministers. Like every member is a minister. You ever heard that? But what does that mean? That's what we're talking about. Like how do we worship God with our talent? And so uh, we talk about, well, that is ministry. When I serve God and other people as an expression of my faith, it's an act of ministry. That's what it is. That's what ministry is. It's just service as an expression of faith with my life. And so uh, in this, we, we've started the series talking about ministry because really when I talk about putting God at center, we have to engage in ministry. And so it's important for us to know what ministry is, the purpose of ministry. In Scripture, if you remember all the way back, uh, we talked about how ministry is itself discipleship. I, I started with the misunderstanding about ministry, that ministry was for the mature. And part of that was how I was raised and, and, uh, and all of that. But I, when I went to church, I always saw mature people that were in ministry roles. And so logically, I drew the conclusion that ministry was for mature Christians. What I found in Scripture and we found together in Scripture as we went back in, as we discovered that the Word of God says that ministry is how we mature. No wonder mature people are in ministry. That's how they got there. And so we're serving God as an expression of our faith that, that, that met, uh, maturity. It reveals itself, the Word of God says, in some very profound ways. One is it brings unity. You become mature as a body of Christ. We become unified as we serve. And it makes sense. Isn't it just incredible how Christians who are actively serving God don't have the time nor the energy to fight with other Christians about not important things? In fact, when we're serving God, we're expressing our faith and doing that, how it reminds us and shows us how dependent we are on one another and helps us appreciate one another. That Christians that are in stagnant water have a lot of time to just battle. But those, when we begin to serve, how amazing it is that it unifies the body. Another way that that maturity, uh, it, it manifests itself, the Word of God says, is it, 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 is it matures us doctrinally. We get to put our faith to practice. We get to test it. We'll read something in the Word, and then we get a chance to apply it. And then it's not just head knowledge, it's actual knowledge. right? It's, it's part of us. And it matures us doctrinally. And so the Word says that we are no longer tossed about here and there by every crazy teaching that's out there. This happens through discipleship. That's actually discipleship. That happens when we serve God as an expression and serve other people as an expression of our faith, when we minister. So ministry is discipleship, and we say we're disciples of Jesus that build disciples of Jesus. That's got to be more than just, you know, like a, a catchy phrase. It's who we are, and if that's the case, if we really are disciples of Jesus, then we are his ministers, all of us. 
all called to serve him as an expression of our faith. Second thing we discover about ministry, which is so cool, is that it is worship. And of course, I've already talked about that, right? But here's why. We have a memory verse. We're going to come back to it in just a few minutes, right? We've gone through this whole series. And that memory verse, it starts with that, that we are God's workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus, right? He's got a purpose for you. Right? He crafted you specifically to do something, to do good works. When we engage in those good works... We are saying, God, it's your priority for my life. You made me to do this, and now I'm going to do that. I'm going to revolve my life around you. And so that is an act of worship. So however it is that God has crafted you, he made you to do something. When you are doing it, that is set for you saying, God, your priorities, I am worshiping you. That's a very practical way of living your life. Third thing that we find that worship or ministry is it's empowered by God. This is the exciting part. This is the difference between um, just uh, work and ministry, right? Work is when I go and do something, right? When I go and I do it, I can, I can, uh, I can produce the total sum of my abilities, right? So whatever it is that your job is, I remember like when I was a teller, like I could, I could, I could tell money. I guess I don't know what tellers I, they call them that, but I could tell people that this is your money and I could give it to them and I could do all of that and I could be as accurate and as fast and all that as my natural ability that God gave me right? And so all of us have the ability to work according to our abilities, but ministry is different because ministry, I'm actually partnering with God. And so the sum effect or the potential of my ministry is the sum total of my abilities plus God's. And since God is infinite, he can do remarkable things through very simple ministers, which explains the early church. We'll be talking about that next week, all summer long, as we go through the final chapters of the book of Acts. We see God's kingdom expands through regular people, right? God ministers and does remarkable things through what we would consider just average folks. Why? Because ministry is a partnership between us and God. It's when we see the miraculous happen. That's why when we saw this, when we are partnering with God, what ministry truly is, it changed how I pray for you. It really did. For years, I had prayed for this church. I'd look out with the members of the church, and I would take very careful accounts, like, who is God sending us, right? And I would ask the question over and over again. I'd say, what can we do? What can we accomplish? Right? Just like I would if I owned a really good business, and I was looking at my employees and say, what, is it, what can we absolutely, what can we actually accomplish with these folks? What's my human capital? I changed that. I am praying now for us, God, what will you have us do? What will you have us do? That's a Gideon-like prayer, by the way. Gideon was a dude that lived a long time ago, long time ago, and God called him to kick out a bunch of bad guys from the land of Israel, and they had lots more enemy, or a lot, a lot of, of, of horses and, and ammo and all this kind of stuff, lots more guys. And, and God called an army together. Gideon got an army around him to say, we're going we're gonna to defeat these guys, and God said, get rid of some of those guys. So I'm going to do through you what you can't do yourself. In fact, get rid of all your weapons and stuff too. That was kind of fun. Get some lanterns and some bowls. And with those, God defeated an entire enemy. Gideon put to practice. He served God as an expression of faith. And God did remarkably more than Gideon and his tiny army of 300 could ever have done. You understand that God calls us into the battle still. But he doesn't send us alone. Ministry is when he joins us. Ministry is when God does so much more than we ever could take credit for. That's why we don't longer look at our culture with despair. Is our culture pretty messed up? Yeah. 
Is our culture more than the sum total of our ability to turn the tide of all the wickedness that's out there? If it was just us, yeah. But is our culture bigger than God? No! No, just like the the culture of the first century wasn't uh, bigger than God. Our God is still God. Our God still changes hearts. Our God still holds the course of history in his hands. Our God is powerful. That's why we look at Estes Park and we see the pain and the work and, 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 the, and all of the, the hurt that's there. It does not overwhelm us. We say if God has called us into it, he's going there with us. Ministry will happen and God will do so much more than we could ever take credit for. It will be testimony to the world that our God is real. Ministry is empowered by God. We understand this, that all of us have been called to ministry. All of us question is, where is your ministry? And that's what we've been talking about this series. So you can say yes to that. Today we get to finish the series off by talking about ministry in one very important area. The last one we get to talk about, it's missions. Of course, we talk about missions. We want to remind ourselves of our uh, memory verse, which uh, is Ephesians 2.10. And I hope that those of you who've been here with us for the series, it's been about two months, I hope it's starting to stick. It's just one verse. Uh, but even if this is your first time back with us or whatever, this is not a, a, a long verse, but it is very, very powerful. So what we're going to do is we're just going to say it a few times, remind ourselves of this truth, and then we're going to go in talking about how this applies, especially in this area of mission. So here we go. Just say it along with me. Three, two, one. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus, which good, do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Ephesians 2.10. Very good. Boy, I've even memorized it for the last two months and said it three times this morning and I still messed it up. So let's do it again for me. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do, Ephesians 2.10. All right, one more time just to remind ourselves and for fun. Here we go. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do, Ephesians 2.10. Isn't that amazing? Now, if this is a a verse that you have are still setting to heart, uh, we have a tool for you. It's in our, um, on your connection card. So the very end of that connection card is a memory verse card. It's perforated there, so we encourage you to take that with you. Just tear it off and, and put it in your pocket or, or your, uh, your purse or your wallet. Tape it to the back of your phone, wherever you're going to see it. And go through and remind yourself of this, because it is truth of God. That we truly are, you truly are God's handiwork. He crafted you specifically to do something. Right? We want you to be able to worship God in doing that. And today, we're going to talk about missions, and, and that might be where God is calling you into. And so if you wouldn't mind, let's talk about missions. We're going to turn to the book of Acts, chapter 1. Of course, uh, I chose this because we're going to be back in the book of Acts for the rest of the summer, so I thought it'd be good to little refresher what happened at the very beginning. Uh, for those of you who may be new to the book of Acts, it's the second half of the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke is a story of Jesus' life, takes us up to all of Jesus' ministry, his death, and his resurrection. The book of Acts picks up after that. So it picks up after uh, Jesus is resurrected. He, he spends 40 days with his disciples in the area of, of uh, Jerusalem, which he was uh, crucified in. He shows himself to him, eats with the folks, all that. He proves that he actually is real. They're not hallucinating and spends time with them. And then after that time, he takes his disciples up to the Mount of Olives. He takes them out of town about a Sabbath's walk away, which isn't very far, and uh, it takes them up on there. And he has one final chat with them, which we're going to read, starting uh, in verse 4. And in verse 4, it says, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, 
he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times, the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. Then it goes on, it says, as they were looking intently up in the sky and they were asking where he was going, they suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way with you, uh, that you have seen him go into heaven. And then it says, all the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. Right? So they have this great encounter, and there's some three things about missions that we discover from this passage, missions, ministry, that we're going to talk about. Actually, it's uh, verse 8, so really we're going to camp out. Before I get to it, though, I do want to just point out a couple of things in that whole passage, right? This the overarching thing. Do you notice that the disciples, where was their mind? They're asking Jesus, are you now going to restore the kingdom? Right? Isn't that what most of us ask God? Okay, are, are you going to come back now? Is this time, like, is your work? And God says, trust me with the work. Trust me with the results, right? Trust me with what I'm doing. I've, I've got that handled. He says, but here's your mission. And I think for those of us that are in Christ, oftentimes we look at God and say, God, what are you up to? And Jesus says, you need to stop asking that question. We have to have some faith. He's done what he needs to do, and he's, he's right on time. Right? The kingdom is coming the way that it's supposed to, in the timing that it's supposed to. We need to trust God. Our question should be, am I doing what God has called me to now? And then again, after Jesus raises from heaven, he, gets, he ascends, right? And the apostles are standing there and very naturally like, wow, what is that all about? Two angels show up beside them and they have no pity on these, on these apostles, right? They're, they're, not, uh, they're not like, hey, that was pretty cool. They're like, why are you standing around? Jesus told you what to do, and he's coming back, so you better get to it. And so they go. We understand there's an urgency in this, right? There's an urgency. God has called us to work, and he expects us to do it. Jesus has given us a command, and he says, do it. So what do we learn about this, this command? What do we learn about missions, ministry? And then I want to finish this, this, uh, this time and then with some ways that you can say yes to missions, ministry. If that's what you're called to. And here, the first thing we want to learn about missions ministry is it's all about personal witness. In verse 8, again, we're going to go, that's really where we're going to camp out on, on this. It's, you'll notice there's this word in there, it's you, right? He didn't say they, didn't say he or she, he wouldn't, didn't say uh, those guys or the leaders or the special ones or the called ones. He didn't say any of that. He said you, you will receive power and the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's very personal, isn't it? Understand that missions is a personal thing, right? There is something about it that it cannot just be exported. It can't be, uh, we can't be delegated to others. That if you're a Christian, all of us are called to be God's missionaries. Let's begin with. We have to start with that. Missions ministry takes that and says, this is my main area I'm serving, but all of us. 
You are the you. We are, Jesus gave this command to his disciples. We are disciples of Jesus to build disciples of Jesus. This is for us. You. It is personal. And therefore, it's got to be personal. The world doesn't need to have a theological you know, expose on who Jesus is. They need to know your testimony. It says you will receive power. God's with you. And you will be his witnesses. First-hand testimony. If I go to court, right, somebody calls me to court as a witness, the reason I'm called there is because I have first-hand knowledge of something that took place. If I, in court, say, well, I heard somebody else have this experience, that'll be taken out and they'll say, that's hearsay. It doesn't count. In the court of people's hearts and minds, it is the same way. You cannot tell somebody about a Jesus that you have not experienced. Right? It makes no sense to them. And if it makes sense to you, like, why would you trust your life and your eternal soul to hearsay? It's not fair. But if you are in Christ, if you have been saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have testimony. You have experienced the saving power of God. The Holy Spirit has come on you. You have received that power and the presence of God. The longer you walk with Christ, the more you see how he transforms you from the inside out. The more he sees how he carries you through those dark valleys, right? The more that you see his, his power in you, the more testimony you have. But if you are in Christ, you have a testimony, you have a witness, right? You can testify personally what God has done for you in Jesus. That's what he, were, he asked the disciples to tell him. He sends those who had experience. That's powerful, which means that you are qualified. If you've had experience with Jesus, you're qualified to testify about him. And it's got to be personal expression then. When we talked about our friends and our family and things like that, yes, it's important that we know good doctrine so it makes, helps put our, our experience in, in context so we understand, gives meaning to an experience we've had in Christ, but they didn't know what God has done in our life, in your life. That's what's going to matter. That's why you are called to your family. That's why you are called to your business. That's why you are called to your neighborhood. That's why you are called to your community. You have witness. It's personal. Now, if we're going to witness, whose witness are we? Who are we going to testify about? Well, we're not supposed to testify about ourselves. Right? This whole world is all about uh, testifying about how great I am. Have you noticed that? Like, even our music, if we listen about it, it's how a lot of our songs are like, I am the best, look at me, right? But Jesus doesn't call us to testify about ourselves. Our faith begins with the fact that we're not all that great. That's why we needed a Savior. But we met him, and we received something fantastic. And if we want to testify about Jesus, we had better do it accurately. Just like if I'm going to court and I testify about something, I had better be truthful. I had better testify accurately. And it's the same way with us. We need to make sure that as we represent Jesus, we represent him correctly, accurately. His character, his love, his message. It's his message. It's his love. It's his character that matters. And so it begins with this. Missions ministry is about a personal witness, which means that missions ministry begins with having a personal experience with Jesus. If you want to go into missions, you have to start with the, by being saved yourself. You have to have that, that time where you have been saved by God's grace through faith. And express that faith and belief, confession, repentance, baptism, growing in discipleship, being part of a church family. This is, this is beginning. But if you have that, we'll go to the next thing about missions ministry is this, is that missions ministry is intentional and strategic. It's a mission, right? 
any mission that any government goes on, right, it's, it's, got, it's planned out, right? That's why it's not just like a vacation. That's why it's just not like, a, you know, just a, a, a wandering journey. It's a mission. There's a plan to it. Jesus has a plan to it. You see what he, he, he talks about the disciples. He doesn't say, all right, uh, I want you to be my witnesses. See ya. No, he, he says, here's, here's the thing. First thing he says is, you need to go back to Jerusalem and wait till you receive the power to fulfill this. That's the first thing. And he says, once you receive that power, verse 8, he says, then you're going to be my witnesses. That's what he wants us to do. Where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Now, that's, that's pretty fantastic. Like he tells them there's a, there's a strategy to this, right? And in Ma- uh, Matthew 28, where Jesus gives them the Great Commission, the other, like where he really explains how we, we make disciples, this is what he says. Gonna, our mission is to make disciples. This is where we're supposed to do it. So you're going to do it by going to people, bring them to faith, baptizing them, and then teaching them how to obey Christ, mentoring them, growing them up. This is how you do it. There's a strategy to it. It has to be intentional. Missions doesn't happen accidentally, right? The army doesn't just show up somewhere and is like, oh, we're on mission, right? They don't just like get in a boat and like wherever we land, I guess that's where we're going to do something, right? They're going to go somewhere. There's a purpose. There's intentionality. They make sure the logistics are set up. They're prepared for it. This is what we are called to do. If you want to be in missions ministry and you are a missionary, there is intentionality to it. There is a plan in place that God has given us. And here's the plan. It begins with this. You got to start by receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. Because we're not going to conquer this world on our own, are we? We're not going to conquer one human heart on our own. Now, Jesus doesn't tell us to be used car salesmen, right? Making converts for Jesus. It's not what he called us to do. He said, I want you to, to help people be born again. I want you to take dead people and make them alive. I want your enemies to become his children. That's what he wants us to do. He wants to see radical retransformation in the world. That's beyond us. And so he says, there's a strategy to it. It begins with this. You have to partner with the Holy Spirit. You have to partner with her. You have to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, if you were in Christ, right, you were saved by God's grace through faith, right? You've expressed your faith the way the Scripture has told us to. You believe. You've confessed. You repent. You were baptized. You were part of a church. You're growing, right? Then, obviously, you've received the Holy Spirit. He's in you. He's not going to leave you, right? He's there. But just because we have the Holy Spirit doesn't always mean that we listen to Him or work with Him, right? You know, it's uh, like um, I was cooking a couple of weeks ago, and I have a potato peeler. I love my potato peeler because it's perfect for peeling potatoes. That's what I have it for, right? I was gifted with it by my sister when I got married, and it's a great little potato peeler. But I had it, but I didn't know where it was. And I was making mashed potatoes, and I couldn't find my potato peeler. So I had to use my paring knife, and I almost cut my thumb off. <laughs> like I still have like a little bit of that on there. Here's the thing. Just because you have it doesn't mean you're using it. The Holy Spirit is with you. You have him. He's there in you. We need to partner with him. How do you listen to the Holy Spirit? How do you, how do you partner with him? Well, it begins with this, being saved. You have to have him. But then you have to listen to what he has to say. How do you hear him? One of the greatest ways, first ways, is like listening to his word. That's what the word of God is, inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is the word of God. God tells us what he wants in his word. That's why it's so important as Christians that we spend real time in the word of God regularly, asking God, what does it mean? Asking for wisdom and direction, right? How many times have Christians made a mess of their lives and done all kinds of crazy things and got off track because they didn't know what the word said? 
Or if they did know, they weren't applying it. That's the other part. As you read God's Word, it's important for us to say you're going to come across things that says, hey, believe this. And you might say, wow, that's, I got doubts about that, but I'm going to trust that you're true. I'm going to work through those, right? But okay, maybe there's something in there that says, uh, do this. And if you're not doing that, maybe it's something you've got to start doing. Or sometimes we find in God's Word something that says, don't do, and you're doing it. And you're like, man, I've got to stop doing that. And that's hard, right? So sometimes we go to God's Word, and it tells us, it gives us guidance. So we have to know God's Word. If you are, don't have the habit of being in God's Word, we have lots of tools and things to help you with. We have uh, every week at the end of my message, one of the next steps is always some chapters in the Scripture to read with with some context that we've given you in advance that we're going to work through so you understand you have something to be able to filter that. You also have in the back, right by the, 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 uh, the sound booth area, there's a thing that's called the 5 by 5 by 5 plan. It'll get you through the New Testament in a year by reading just five minutes a day, but it builds that habit of getting into God's Word every single day important. Be people of the Word. Another way that we listen to God is also through prayer, right? Sometimes we read God's Word and we're like, okay, how does this apply, right? So we have to talk with God. And He says, ask Him for wisdom. He'll give it to you. That's a promise. He doesn't always just give you like, bing, I know exactly what to do, but God's smart enough. If you've asked Him for wisdom, He'll help you make sure that you know the right thing to do, right? And as you pray for wisdom and God shows you that, then don't make stupid choices, Don't do things you know God doesn't want you to do. So pray, but pray with intentionality, believing that he hears you, right? That's what we begin with. We got to talk, but prayer isn't just talking. Prayer is also listening. Like most conversations aren't like we're having right now. You know how lousy it would be if like uh, we went out to coffee and then I just preached at you the whole time? That would be a conversation. That'd be awful, right? Conversation's two-way. God wants to know what's on your heart. He wants you to listen, (laughs) This is why it's so important that we take time in our prayer to just listen. In fact, some of the ways that we do that, we read God's Word and then we talk back to Him in prayer, but then also sometimes we just need to stop, spend time before God and just say, okay, I've asked you these things, I want to listen. That's the purpose, right, of uh, fasting, right? Fasting isn't a, isn't a, a hunger strike that you do to, to make God do what you want Him to. That's not why we fast. Fasting is about shutting out all of the other noise, saying no to your body, saying no to everything, saying, God, I really want what you have. See, fasting isn't about moving God. It's about asking God to move you. That's the whole point. Every every year, I, I take a week aside, and I go and I spend time fasting and praying for me, but also for you. And the reason that part of that week, what I do is it's, uh, I start, and, and I got a lot of words. That God's, I'm, I'm God's handiwork, right, creating Christ Jesus to do good works, and that's a lot of his talking. So he's gifted me with lots of words, and then eventually uh, those words can get in the way. And that's why I've got to take more time than a lot of you guys. But I go up and I start praying, and eventually there's nothing left to pray about. Right? I got it all out. I'm like, God, you heard it all. And I am forced to be quiet. I'm forced to listen. It's amazing the profound things that God has directed me or revealed to me when I finally was able to just stop. But I don't have to wait to do that once a year. I can do that all the time. That's the discipline that we have of meditating and be quiet before God and saying, this is your word and it applies to my life. I want to hear what you have to say, God. This is something that when we fast, that we're saying to God, I really do want your guidance on this. I want you to direct me. And then just stop. And I'll tell you, this is weird. 
Because our whole culture is about productivity, isn't it? And so when you start fasting, when you start praying, when you start seeking God's direction in the silence, you're going to feel non-productive. It's the most productive thing you can do. Because orders are, don't matter that you don't get any direction if you don't know what you're supposed to do. <laughs> Listening to what God wants is really important. But for me, it feels like, even I've been doing this for years, it feels like I'm just looking at a, ball, a wall for a while, or I'll, I'll uh, wander, right? I'll pace, or whatever. And I feel like, well, this is, the silence sometimes gets deafening, right? It just feels like, ah. But you be patient. God's never slow, and he's never fast. He's right exactly, and he speaks to you exactly. And I've never heard an audible voice, but boy, he reveals things to your heart. Sometimes God has brought to me conviction. Where in that quiet time when I have nothing left to say and I'm just there before, I'm saying, God, what is it? He'll, be, he'll show me something that I really need to remove from my life. Something, that, a brokenness that just needs to be healed. He's done that. And that's not fun, but boy, it's awesome to know so it can be healed. Right? Sometimes God has shown me something that I have to have courage to do, something I don't want to do. I know that maybe in the back of my mind he's been telling me to do it, but I don't want to do it because nobody wants to be courageous, right? Nobody wants to be courageous. But he'll show you something, and, and so it, it helps you be courageous if you know this is what God's calling you to. And it gives me that courage. Sometimes God has uh, he's showed me a, a direction that he wants me to take or, or a different path, not that I've been doing any sinful or anything like that, but he's like, this is something that I want you to do. It gives you conviction for that. Sometimes it gives me clarity about things I've been praying about for a long time. And sometimes he, and, uh, he's just given me grace. There have been times where I've spent time before him and, and I was going seeking something to do and God revealed to me the thing that I really needed was to understand his love, his grace for me. Just as I was. I didn't need another thing to do. I needed the, the freedom to be. All of those things take place when we listen to God. That's, that's the power of the Holy Spirit that we have. He directs us perfectly. We have to make sure that we're connected to Him in His Word and through prayer. We also connect to the Holy Spirit when we join together. It's one of the reasons that being part of church is so important, that we're the body of Christ and the Spirit of God fills the body. That as we are here, God equips us together to work as a body, coordinating. If you are disconnected from the church, then how can you possibly connect it to what God's calling you to do? It'd be like your hand being chopped off. It's not doing what it was created to do if it's separated from the body. The Holy Spirit works through the body. And so even by being here, it's a way that you have the Holy Spirit is in you and working through you. We need to make sure that the strategy starts with this. Get your spiritual life together. If you want to be a mission, connect with God. Be empowered by the Holy Spirit because you are not smart enough or gifted enough or talented enough or anything else or motivated enough to, to, to accomplish the mission that God calls us to alone. But with Him, nothing can stop you. So let's begin. But then beyond that, there was a strategy. It says start at home, right? You're going to be gifted with the power of the Holy Spirit. And then once you have that, it says, then you're going to be my witnesses. That's what we're supposed to do. Where? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. You notice how he says start at home? This is an issue of integrity. What right do we have to tell people about Jesus, some foreign place, if we don't have a relationship, we're not living like for Christ here in our own home? If we don't have a witness or a testimony with the people we live around, then what gives us the right to pretend we have a testimony with people who live somewhere else? Start at home. You're God's minister. You're his, his missionary here. 
You have relationship with the people in this community and with the people at your work and in the people in your family and the people in your neighborhood. You are his missionary there. You have witness. They need to see in your life change. The things that only God can do. We start at home. We must begin there. Missions is not something that happens out there. It's something that happens through us, wherever we are. So he says, start here. If you want to be a missionary, start here. Have that testimony. Walk with God. Let him change you. Ask him to to give you a love for your neighbors. Start with your own home. But don't stay home. You see, the mission would be intentional, not just to be intentional as a Christian in your home, in your community. But he says, from there, now go out. The first thing he says, go to Judea. Well, that's that. Well, that's all the people that live close by that are pretty much like you. It's okay to minister to people who are easy to minister to. But we have to go intentionally do it. If you're a golfer, there might be other golfers that need to know Jesus. That's, That's where you need to go. Right? Go to the people that are like you and tell them about Jesus. You already have an in. Use it intentionally. Pray for them. It's not just going up to somebody and saying, you know, you know where you're going to go when you die? No, look, talk to them about what, what Jesus has done in your life. Ask God for opportunity to be able to share how amazing he is. Ask him for courage when he gives you the opportunity to not, you know, back away from it. Ask him for words so when you get there, you're not like, blah, 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 right? You can actually do it. He's with you. But go intentionally. Think about where you are and bring the gospel. But he doesn't say, just don't stay home. He also says, don't just stay with the people that are easy. He says, and go to Samaria. Samaria was difficult. Those of us who just got back from Israel recognize when we went to Palestine, the Palestinian controlled area, they weren't real friends. That's why there's fences and guns, right? The, the, the thing is, is that Jesus said, you've got to go not just the people that are close by that are like you, but you've got to go to the people close by who hate you. And so for us, geographically, that might be people that live in a city or something like that, but also more potentially might just be people that live across the street. There might be Samaritans, right? They might vote the wrong way, in our opinion, right? In your opinion, they might, they might think the wrong way, in your opinion. They might have the wrong lifestyle, in your opinion, right? They might hate the things that you know are good, Right? They might be Samaritans. They might, they might be an enemy. And Jesus says, love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. Go to Samaria and share the gospel. That's what he calls us to do intentionally. Go to those that are difficult too. Don't be afraid of that. He's with you. Go. And with that, then he says, then we shall also go anywhere. Ends of the earth. The mission isn't just about going across seas. It's wherever we are, that's where mission is taking place. Because you are Christ's soldier. You are Christ's ambassador. You are Christ's child. You're his witness. Wherever you are, there is mission. That's the point. So it's strategic. And if it's strategic and there's a plan to it, and God does missions through, just like all ministry, through the body of Christ, then be a missionary as part of the body of Christ. Every time we see the book of Acts, The disciples always went. They were sent as part of the church. They served as part of the church. That's part of it. So recognize that missions is intentional and strategic. It doesn't just happen. We have to choose to do it. And then there's a plan. There's a way to do it. Be equipped. All right. Third thing we understand about missions ministry, it's empowered by God. Do you see that the very beginning it says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you? I hope so because I talked about it for about, you know, seven minutes. The point to that. Holy Spirit has got to be part of this, right? God has got to empower missions. That's the thing that makes it happen. So God's Holy Spirit is the power behind missions, and if he calls us to this mission work, then God will do the miraculous. 
A lot of us here know people who we thought would never come to Christ. Who did? Sometimes it took a lot of prayer and a lot of fasting and, and all of this. Sometimes there were people that were so broken, we thought, there is no way. And we've seen lives changed and transformed. Right? We've seen doors open up for the gospel we thought would never happen. I think back to mine, was the, the biggest one was my wife's grandmother and her, and her grandfather. For their whole lives, they were very good people but didn't think they needed Jesus because they were good people. But compared to God, they're not perfect, and they needed him. But we prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. Twelve years I prayed, and I shared the gospel kind of obnoxiously with them early on, like as often as I could, and they were kind of like, no, I don't need that, right? And then my, my, I called my wife's grandmother, Graham Sam. She got uh, dementia, and then she got Alzheimer, and, and those were different, and I didn't even know that at the time, but they were awful, and they were just horrible diseases. And she got them, and she wasn't able to, to think or talk. She couldn't remember us. It was horrible. And we would go down to the hospital where she was at, and I thought, well, I lost my opportunity. She never made a confession. And then, one day, we were down there, and uh, my wife and her family, they were all tired, and my grandfather was tired, and I said, let's go out, get some, some food. And I sat there with Graham Sam. I sat in that, that, ho- that hospital room with her so they could go get some lunch. And about five minutes after they left, she woke up, and she was lucid. That's a miracle. That's called a miracle. She's able to talk to me, understand exactly what we're saying. And I got to ask her, I said, Graham Sam, are you afraid? Now, that was a question the Holy Spirit gave to me, by the way, because I was like, oh. And she said, yeah. I said, well, it's okay if I share with you something, but you don't have to be afraid. You can have to know that. She said, yes. And one more time, I got to explain the gospel to her. And she received Jesus as her Lord and Savior. How amazing is that? And just to make sure that she wasn't lucid, I said, so you're accepting Buddha as your Lord and Savior? She looked at me and said, no. <laughs> it's not choosing Jesus. And then my wife and uh, my, grand, uh, my uh, in-laws came in. My, my um, grandpa came back in. And, got, and they got to spend about 15 minutes with her while she was lucid. And then her mind just faded away. And then later that day, the Lord took her home. That's a miracle. I never in a million years thought that she was going to come to faith because God had to do something that I couldn't. And then on Easter, that following Easter, we got to baptize my grandfather in this baptism right here. And he brought six people to the Lord before he was taken home. Here's the thing. It's God is with us. We never lose hope. The world may look like it's impossible. We don't lose hope. Not until the very end. Missions is empowered by God. And we trust him to do what we can never do ourselves. So when you're doing missions ministry, you have to be of the mind and the heart to say, I'm willing to partner with God, to boldly go where he asks me to go, to walk out on those waters, wherever he calls me. That's mission ministry. How do you say yes to that? Well, the purpose of missions ministry of our church is to bring the gospel to the world, to fulfill this calling. That's what it's all about. And so what we have in our church, we talked about the different systems in our church. That's what we've been doing this whole time as the ways to serve Christ, uh, we have a menu of, of opportunities that you can begin serving in missions. This is by no means an exhaustive list, but this is a great place to start. These are first steps in the missions ministry. If you say, God, if you call me not just to be your missionary, but specifically as in the church to serve you in missions, how can I do that? There are ways in our body that, that you can serve. The first one is part of our lighthouse group. This is something that I began a few years ago, more informally than anything. This started where I did a series way back uh, a few years ago. It was called the Shape Series, which really talked about how we are shaped for ministry. And through those interviews, I discovered that there were some folks in our 
church that were limited. They couldn't go out and do a lot of things, but they had a deep heart for their neighbors, and they would want to pray. And so it began saying, well, let's empower you in this. Start praying for your neighbors. Start praying for your neighbors by name. Get to know them as best you can, but pray for them. And that's how it begins, is just being a Christian in your neighborhood. And this is kind of a stealth ministry it begins with, is you just start praying for your neighbors. That's what Lighthouse Ministry is all about. It begins. It doesn't end there. That, but that first portion of it, that's where it is. I mean, most of us, if you ask, might not know the people that live right around you. You put your, like a little grid around your house, what are the, the houses all around you. If, do you know the people who live around you? Well, it's helpful to pray for them, begin to pray for them. It's amazing how God will open up opportunities to get to know those who live around you. And as you pray for them, God, and this has been our experience the last couple of years, is God reveals opportunities then, and that's the next level we talk about if you want to stay in that ministry. But this is a great place to start. Start loving your neighbors, <laughs> praying for them, Lighthouse Ministry. The second one is our community outreach and service crew. You know that God wants us to serve, all of us, our community, but sometimes he wants us to serve as the body of Christ. So occasionally in the church, what we do, kind of quarterly, we'll do an outreach event, something for our community to show God's love in a practical way to our community. If you want to be part of that this next quarter, say, I'll be part of it, I'll be your hands and feet of Christ serving our community in an outreach, this is for you. It's a great way to begin serving. It doesn't end there, but this is for three months in this quarter, say, I'm going to be willing to be part of that. It's a great thing to do. And I was like, what are some things we've done in the past? We've, we've cleaned up trash. We've helped, uh, uh, we've uh, fixed, uh, rake uh, um, the yards of some of the widows and stuff that are community, changed light bulbs, uh, cleaned gutters, right? Community outreach, um, those types of things. So uh, if you'd like to be part of that, it's a good thing to do. Maybe what you want to be is uh, part of our prison ministry crew. Jesus really does care about those that are behind bars. In fact, he says if we visit them, it's actually like we're visiting him. And so we have a great prison ministry in the church. If you want to be part of that, um, how you could do is just join this. There's some training and some background stuff and all that, so you get uh, qualified to go. We'll get you into that and then help you join that crew as they go in and do prison ministry. Um, It's a great way of of starting out in that that wonderful ministry there. We also have our short-term mission support crew. Uh, Every year we do a a short-term missions trip that actually takes people from our church, and we go somewhere else to serve Christ at the ends of the earth. We want to fulfill this. This year, we're going to Ukraine, August 2nd through the 12th, and I'm bringing a couple of folks, from, guys from our church, and we're going to be joining uh, other guys, folks from churches all over the U.S. to the Trubisky Christian Institute. We're doing some uh, um, work over there, um, fixing up a room so that way they, their ministry can expand as they're doing a, they have more classroom space and all that. Um, and so that's what we're going to be doing. And uh, in order for that to take place, there's a lot of logistics back at home that needed to happen. Right? It's not just the missionaries that goes, it's, it's the whole church that sends. And so even if you can't go, it doesn't mean you can't partner with this. So if you want to be part of that, learn about the, 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 what's happening there, pray for the, help us for, um, get all the materials that we need, all of those things, maybe ride to the airport and back, all of that, mission support. If you want to be part of that, uh, short-term missions crew, this is a great way of getting into missions. Another one, maybe you want to be on a missions trip. Now, the, this missions trip's already signed up for, but... If you would like to go on a short-term mission trip, it's a great way getting your feet wet and finding out what missions is like. And so let me know so we'll bring you into the conversation as we plan next year's trip. Um, and that's a great thing to do. Also, we have our, uh, our local uh, minister, right, that serves the community. And that's our folks in our church that serve as volunteers in different places like Crossroads. And we have a, lo- a good number of folks in our church that are serving already in the community. But you know, the body of Christ, the, the Scripture tells us that you're supposed to serve as the body, So a lot of folks are already serving, but you're not allowing me to pray for you or equip you or empower you or help you, right? 
So even though you might be a volunteer at Crossroads or in the schools, like I'm a coach for the um, high school football team, that's my ministry into the community, I'm serving as a member of, of the church, right? Well, if let me know if you're serving in that, or if you want to serve as a volunteer in the community, let me know, and we can help you, talk to you about what are the opportunities that are out there and help you connect. It's a great way of bringing Christ's love into the community through things that already exist. It's a great service. Another one is our, our missions hospitality crew. This is about, we have uh, missionaries who oftentimes will come to Estes, and we want to host them well, to show them God's love, to care for them. So if our missionaries come up to be able to treat them well, to be able to set up a meal or something like that. But it's also, even when they don't come, sending them cards and letters and, and support, praying, letting them know that this church here cares for them. Mission, missionary hospitality. The last one here is our missions fundraising crew. Because going on mission trips is expensive, and we find it in the book of Acts, the body of Christ always comes together to send missionaries. It's not just that somebody says, I'm going to go. And so part of that is raising funds. And if God has gifted you with that, you love that, uh, there's an area for you to serve that empowers missions. That's the practical side of things. So these are all just three-month uh, mission uh, ministries. Um, how it works is you sign up. We'll help you get, there's a class that we'll help you go into to kind of explain what you're doing. We'll empower, uh, uh, train you for that mission thing. We'll get you scheduled so that way you start. And at the end, we'll come back and we'll talk about it. And then we'll talk about some next steps. That's how it works. So if you're interested in starting doing any of the missions ministries, you've heard some of these today. It's like, this is what I want to do. And what you can do is on your connection card, just write down the title, make sure I have your name, and then we'll get you uh, started so that way you can get connected and start serving, right? And maybe it's not missions ministry. Maybe there's one of the other missions that we have. We want you to say yes to ministry. And so we talk about the different areas in their church that we've already talked, we have uh, service opportunities. So we have, we started out with hospitality and care. And then we also have our worship team. We have our children's and youth. We have our discipleship. We also have our administration and leadership ministry, and finally, missions. And all of those opportunities are on that Say Yes board. Every week, we're keeping that updated. Uh, if we encourage you to, to go to that area to find out if there's a, a, a mission that you or a, a ministry that you can want to engage in. What you can do is read it. There's a place for you to sign up for it and just drop that card in the offering uh, that next week, and we'll help you connect in the ministry that you have. And you might be saying there, Aaron, which of these I want to serve I'm really happy to serve in any of them. I just want a gift. I just want to do which one is the is there the greatest opportunity and the greatest need right now in our church? By far, it is in the children's ministry. By far, uh, God has gifted us with an amazing opportunity. Lots of, of young folks that we are changing generations within. And so, uh, if you are called or have a, a like a, I've been wondering should I serve there? I'm going to tell you yes. Uh, that I know that God has hands and feet in that area. So we would help you get connected. But every one of those. However is it God's called you, say yes to ministry. So now as I bring this, uh, connect, this whole series to a close, um, really there's, there's a step for you. And that step is to worship God, right? Express your faith through ministry. Express your faith through serving. There's lots of areas to get started. We want to equip you and help you do that. But whatever it is, you need to do that. And so I'm going to encourage you, say yes to ministry. And so uh, today on the back of your connection card, there's some next steps that might help you do that, so you'll know exactly how to do this. If you take out your connection cards, there are some things that there's something for all of us on there. The first thing that I would encourage you to do to say yes to ministry is to memorize Ephesians 2.10. How can you serve as an expression of your faith in God if you don't know what the Word of God says? So memorize this. So you are God's handiwork. Realize that He crafted you in Christ Jesus to do good works. He's already prepared them in advance for you. You just got to do them. There's no excuse not to. He's done all of the big work. He's crafted you for it. He's created the work. Start with that, so that way your ministry can actually be expression of your faith. 
Maybe you've already done that. Let me encourage you. Then read Acts 15 through 20. See what, uh, what God, how he uh, expands his kingdom through the ministry of his people. Right? See how it works. It also prepare you for the summer as we go through Acts. Or maybe what you want to do is ask God where he wants you to serve. Right? So now you have the Bible reading and you have prayer. You have both of those. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. Maybe that's where you need to begin. Or how about this? Maybe you need to make the commitment. I'm not sure where yet, but I know I'm going to say yes to ministry. I know I'm going to do it. Make that commitment to God. I'm going to serve you, Lord. And you begin. Or maybe what you need to do is you say, I want to serve you, Lord, but I don't know if I'm a foot or a hair or what I am in your kingdom, but I need to know so I can say yes to the area that you crafted me in. We've got a class for you. It's, a, it's six hours total, broken up into two different days. So it's three hours in one, one evening, three hours the next week, another evening. It's very uh, thorough. You'll go through it. It's incredible. You'll discover a lot about yourself, how you were shaped for ministry. And by the end of that, I will help you connect with the ministry that uh, is appropriate for you. If you'd like to be part of that, we'll be doing that at the end of the month. Um, we'd like to know so that way we can get it, talk to everybody, make sure we schedule dates that work best for everyone. Let me know that. So that's the end of this series. Uh, we're going to start next week, be praying about the, the book of Acts as we begin, uh, as we talk about how God's kingdom advances. Um, today, make sure that you make your commitments. I also invite you to write your prayer requests. And this is second, we're going to take our offering. So we take our offering, invite you to take these connection cards, drop them in the offering basket, worshiping God with our treasure and our talents as you've worshiped him with your time today. All right, let's pray a blessing over these and then uh, we'll have the worship team come up and uh, close us with some good worship. Let's pray. Lord God, uh, we thank you for the way that you have made us, uh, shaped us, crafted us, masterpieces you call us uh, for what the, you've called us to do, the good works you've prepared in advance for us. Lord, I ask that you would reveal in each one of these, your, your dear children's hearts, your disciples, how it is you've, you've made them. What is the good works that you've created them uh, to do? Uh, Father, guide them to. They give them the courage to say yes to you. Father, I pray that you would give me and the other pastors uh, the, a blessing of love for each of these wonderful children of yours. Help us to guide and to shepherd and to direct and to equip uh, your church effectively for the ministry that you have called them to. Lord, uh, I pray that uh, you would empower us not just to do the good work, uh, but Lord, that uh, Lord that you would show up in the midst of us. So may we be good witnesses for you in our hometowns, in this region of the people we know and the people that maybe don't like us, and even as we go to the ends of the world. May we be your ministers, your witnesses. May your kingdom grow because you deserve the glory. Father, in light with that, we also pray as we worship you with our talents that you would also give us uh, the ability to worship you uh, uh, with our treasure. Thank you for that great privilege. We sit you at the center of our lives, Lord, and uh, may you receive glory because of it. We ask all of that in Christ's name.